tonight, let's get into uh, what we are doing. And tonight, I just wanted to take the opportunity, and this is going to be uh, a little bit of a refresher from this morning, but we're going to add to it at the end, I promise. Um, because as you know, this next Sunday evening, we're going to be going out into the community. And we did this for the last two years. And I really love doing this. And, it, and I'll be honest with you, it's one of the hardest things to do because we know that we're interrupting people. And nobody likes to interrupt, be interrupted at, at their home. <laughs> and unfortunately, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons have kind of co- cornered the market on going door to door. So people assume that we're either the RG&E meter guy or we're a JW or a Mormon. Okay, so already you've got the stigma attached to you as you're walking down the street with Bibles and other things. Um, but I got to tell you that there's something about doing this that is, will really enrich you as a Christian because most of the time, uh, most, I would be willing to say there's a, a good number of, of Christians in our country that don't really share the gospel. They, they go to work, they, they live their lives, but they don't present the gospel. They don't actually go out and talk to people about Jesus and engage the culture. It's very uncomfortable to engage the culture, isn't it? It is not easy, and especially a complete stranger. It, it really takes a unique person to do that. But I think more importantly, it just takes an obedient Christian who's willing to be used by God and not afraid and, and it is. It's, it's a little unnerving if you've never done it before. And for those of you who for the last two years have gone out with us, I think we could say that we were the most enriched by that experience. Because as I go to door, I begin to, I begin to find out who I really am. And I also uh, come to learn about myself of what I do under pressure and the things that I say. And, I, and sometimes I'm, I'm quite shocked you know, it's easy for me to share in front of you, but to go into to somebody I've never met before and to knock on their door and want to invite them to fellowship here, to ask them if they have a Bible, to give them some resources, to see if we can pray with them, see if they'd even be willing to chat for a few moments or, or ask them questions, um, that, that's not easy to do. And so we Christians, I think, are as much as we give out and as much as the truth that we give out, I think we are also being blessed as well because we're allowing our, uh, ourselves to be in a, uh, to get out of our comfort zones. And, and as we do that too, we're also following the Great Commission, uh, what Jesus asked for us to do, right? So, um, you know, the, the, the thing is, is in Matthew 28, and I read this this morning, in uh, 28, verse 16, it says that the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And here it is, Go therefore and make disciples... Uh, of, all, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And if you read that passage carefully, you'll notice that there are three things that we ought to do that are very obvious in that thing if you really break it down. The first one is to go and make disciples. 
Now, going door to door, you may not necessarily make a disciple, but you're, start, you're getting the process going. You're, you're, going you're, you're willing to get up out of your chair, and you're willing to put yourself in a very uncomfortable position and, and to go out and, and to encourage people to consider Christ. And, and, and to encourage them to walk with him. And, and certainly we want to invite them here. You know, I came to this church over 27, about 27 years ago. And the first time that I came here was a good Friday evening in 1995. And I'll never forget it. And I never left after that because I was getting fed. And I pray that even though Pastor Jeff is no longer here, I, I had this wonderful privilege of growing up under him and I want to continue in that same vein. I want to continue to feed the, myself and the, and, the, and the church as well, uh, the best that I'm able, and through the Spirit of God working in and through me. But we're to go and make disciples. Now, you can be a believer and not be a disciple. <laughs> Did you know that? You can be a believer and not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who are believers, but they refuse to let him disciple them. They refuse to be in this position of being a, um, uh, an apprentice to a master. Many people get their, they get saved and they're like, I'm, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I know that. And you know what? That, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins and that you're a sinner and that he is God in the flesh and he's he saved you from your sins, yes, you're going to go to heaven. And sometimes many people, that's where they stop and they end. But to be a disciple is really what God had intended all along. Because it's one thing just to have our fire insurance. And it's a whole other thing to really know him, to love him, and to walk with him and to be used by him. And that's really what a disciple is. A disciple is somebody who is an apprentice to the master. And I can't be an apprentice to the master if I'm not willing to listen, if I'm not willing to obey, if I'm not willing to observe and watch, because that's what a master does to an apprentice. If a master is a silversmith and he's got a young upstart that's with him, an apprentice, he, the, the, the master is working and he's talking to, the, to his apprentice and he's showing him the tools of the trade. This is why I do what I do and this is why I got to do this and I got to do this at the right temperature, otherwise the metal does this. Can you see what it does? And they're like, yeah, I can see that. So I do this, I put, and I put the bellows and, I'm, you know, and they're showing him all of these things and I use this tool to turn this and, and do all these things. And, but they've got to be obedient. They've got to be willing to listen and then be willing to do what the master says. Otherwise, you are not a disciple. We may be saved, but we're not a disciple. And there's nothing more miserable, I think, than to be a Christian and not be a disciple of Christ. Because I have... You know, I have this knowledge that I'm going to heaven, but my life is totally fruitless. I have no confidence, and I start to even doubt my salvation because I'm doing nothing. And I, in fact, I probably am engaging in some secret sin that nobody knows about, and I'm continuing to harbor that sin, and, 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 and I haven't changed at all in 15 years. And this happens to people. And so it's possible to be a believer, but not a disciple. But notice what Jesus says, go and make disciples. That means that certainly you go. And, we're, and that's all we're doing is breaking the ground when we go door to door. And hopefully they'll come here. 
Hopefully they'll reach out to us and that we can disciple them, we can minister to them, and that they can understand the Lord like we do and have the assurance of salvation and the joy in a fruitful life. I don't know about you, but I've had the most fun, the most enjoyable time of my life being a Christian than I ever did drinking and doing all the ugly things that I used to do before I got saved. And we all have done those things, many of us. And now... What a blessing it is to be a Christian. So go, and so we're just starting this path. We're just breaking the ground for this. But go and make disciples. And then notice number two, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's why we have our baptisms. That's why we're doing the baptism after we've gone out into the community, after VBS. Because there may be some kids who actually get saved during VBS. We don't baptize infants because we don't believe that's biblical. We don't baptize somebody who doesn't know they're born again. But if God you know, uh, saves them and they know they're saved, then by all means, we'll baptize you. But we don't baptize babies. Babies don't know anything. They just want the milk and they want to rest and they want to be changed every now and then. <laughs> But a, a person who knows who Jesus is and they know that they're a sinner, all of a sudden they come into contact with the gospel and it changes their life then, by all means. So that's why we do the baptism at the end of the day on our baptism picnic or our church picnic. We do it then. Because we're hoping those people in the community that we invite to come out to these things will come. And that they will, they'll come and listen and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll consider those things and hopefully they'll accept a Bible that we give to them or, or some kind of written material that we can give to them. So we baptize them and then finally teaching them to observe all things that Jesus has commanded us. And that's a lifelong pursuit, isn't it? That's why we come every single time you know, for Sunday morning and Thursday evening and whatever. That's why we come. We want to continue to be taught and to observe all things that he has taught us and commanded us. And it's a lifelong pursuit. It's a wonderful pursuit. I love it. So when we think of somebody, uh, I wanted to talk about this, this whole idea of fishing. And I, and I brought this up this morning. And again, this is going to be review. But at the end of this, we're going to get into some more of the practical things about going out next Sunday. But I just wanted to talk to you about this whole idea of, you know, Jesus says, Come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And there are three things uh, about fishing you know, when you go out fishing, for those of you who do fish, when you go out, you have no idea if you're going to catch anything, and if you do, what it is. I remember being out in uh, southwest Florida on Pine Island, my grandfather and I and my brother, we used to go fishing out in the outbacks of the uh, Bokelia in the north part of Pine Island in these groves and all these places where, you know, you just slide in by your boat and you're pulling, you know, doing that kind of thing. And we're catching these great fish. And sometimes we would, we would throw something in. Uh, we'd have, we shrimp with, uh, or we fished with shrimp. And so we'd throw our shrimp in and you just never know what you'd catch. You might get a redfish, a red snapper, a snook. You might get something you don't even, you can't even describe and that happened often, where we pull up something where, like, my grandfather, who's been fishing all his life, he's like, I have no idea what that thing is. It looks like an alien that went in the water. But we don't know what we're going to catch and if we're going to catch anything. But, and that's what happens. So there's a suspense about the act of fishing. When Jesus says, come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, there is, an, there is a suspense about it because we don't know what we're going to see, what we're going to encounter. And also, um, what we have on our hook, is it attractive to the fish? Is our bait attractive to the fish? 
If the bait's not attractive, chances are the fish is not going to bite. If I got an old dead shrimp that's already been swung out about four or five times, the fish is going to go, uh, I'm hungry, but not that hungry, pal. I want to see fresh meat on that hook. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and also, and when the fish finally does bite, is there a reward? Yes, because you get to bring that fish in. You bring in your, you catch, you bring in your catch, and you're rewarded for your efforts because now you have something to put on the dinner table, perhaps, or something as a fisherman. You have something to sell to somebody else, like a commercial fisherman. I grew up in an area where we were surrounded by commercial fishermen, crabbers, shrimpers, uh, fishers. You know, they laid on their nets in the Gulf of Mexico. And I grew up all around that stuff. And so um, there is a reward for that. And also there's a reward, especially if you're pole fishing, there's a reward, there's a thrill of the catch. You're excited about the, the thrill, the fight of, 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 a, of, a, of a fish that you got on. And so why am I bringing this up about fishing? Because there's a lot of parallels between uh, fishing, uh, for, you know, fishing for fish and fishing for men. There's a lot of parallels, you know, the first one about the suspense of not knowing what you're going to get or how you're going or if you're going to catch anything or how they're going to react. That's true for when we go out, when we open our mouths, begin to share the gospel or anything pertaining to salvation through Christ, we don't know what response we're going to get. It can be a response of, I really don't care, you're wasting my time. Somebody will actually are, are inquisitive and they'll listen and they'll want to know more. Some people will see you coming and shut the blinds in their house and lock their door, even though you're pretty harmless, right? And this is going to happen. We're going to see it. We're going to see all this stuff in the next four weeks as we go out. But there, we don't know what we're going to get, how people are going to respond. And hopefully uh, the hook, the bait that we have is attractive. But it is also true that the gospel is a foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So there is a part of the gospel that is foolishness to those who don't believe. But what about my life? What about my presentation of that gospel? You know, we must remember to share the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Because we're going to be tempted to sugarcoat the gospel. And we can never remove the teeth from the gospel. The gospel is very simple. I am a sinner. Christ died and saved me from my sins. I must believe that he is the Savior, that he is God in the flesh, and I'll be saved. In a sense, that's the gospel. I'm a sinner. Jesus died for my sins, and I have to believe in him. The bad news, the teeth of the gospel, is that I'm a sinner. Nobody likes to hear that. But can I present that in such a way where people aren't... Um, can I present it in such a way where it shows love and compassion rather than some people that you see with pickets? They'll hold out a picket and they'll say, God hates you. Have you seen those pickets? I've seen them. God hates you. Can you believe that? You're all going to die and go to hell. I've seen banners like that. And who's going to respond to that? Not too many people are going to respond to that because God is love. Yes, but he is a God of judgment. He is, he's serious about sin, don't get me wrong, but he's a God of love. And he's not mad at people. He took the punishment out on his son so that he could give you eternal life. So we must share the truth, and we have to do it in compassion and love and not anger and self-righteousness. And people, believe it or not, they catch on, pun intended. They catch on 
with our attitude. They can tell immediately whether we're really loving on them and really concerned or whether we're just there to put a notch on our, on our, on our doorpost or our bed's post, you know, that, oh, got another one. You know, it's, it's so much more than that because, uh, you know, do we share out of a true love and compassion for them as Jesus did? But if we do not, then we better go back and ask God uh, to, to fix us and to have him help us that we would have a right heart toward people. And I would encourage you, if you're the kind of person who gets angry quickly, or if you're the kind of person who's angry at people, don't go out with us. Stay here and pray. with the, There's going to be a group here that's going to pray while we're out there, because not everybody feels comfortable going out, and we're not forcing anybody to do that. We want to encourage anyone who wants to go, but you're not forced, and if you're not comfortable, and nobody's going to question you, if you're more comfortable staying in here and praying for the people that we're going to be talking to and praying for us while we're out there, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But is our life attractive like that bait to a hungry fish? You know, to your family and friends and people that you know and you bump into every day, every day, every day, what is my life? You know, because what we're doing this next Sunday night and for the next four weeks is much more than just, the, just this event of just going out. It, it, it spans across our whole being because I, I got to ask myself, you know, remember I talked about the fish and the bait. The, the bait is you and I, is, is the witness of Christ in us, really. What does our life look like? Is it attractive? Do we live modestly? Do we, have a, do we guard our tongue? Are we honest? Are we helpful? You know, do we have self-control? Or do we lack self-control? Do we have a rotten mouth? Have we been saved for some time, but we swear like a sailor? There's something wrong with that. What is our witness to the unbeliever? And Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 said this. He said to his disciples, he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light, Jesus said, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the point of, of, of everything we do. Not just in going out like we're doing, but in our whole entire life. Let, the, let those good works come showing through. And we do it because we love him. We love Jesus. And we let him use us by his spirit. He conforms and changes us. And let him do it. Because the more we are yielding to Christ in our life and everything, our life is going to become beautiful. The world may see it as death. And even Paul acknowledged that. To the world it's death, but to you it is salvation. You know, they look at you and they think, you poor helpless wimp. That's what men think of Christians, of other Christian men, many of them. Until they are in the pit of despair, and then who is the one who is calling their Christian friend, the guy who was in the pit? And he's calling them saying, man, my life's a mess. I'm, I'm hooked on methamphetamine. I've lost my wife. I've been cheating on her. She's left me, and she took the kids. They're foreclosing on my car, and I've lost my job, and now I've, I'm, I'm, I've spent three nights in jail, and last night I robbed a bank, and I got shot, and then, you know, I mean, you just name it. Everything, this like... But our life, what is it? 
Is it a witness? Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And you think about a vine and the branches, the, the branches get its sustenance, its water, its nutrients, everything from the vine. And so the branches are really the witness of what is happening at the center. What is happening in the center of my life? Because that is the thing, that's my witness. And so as I go door to door, or even if I, I'm just out sharing with anybody, May that be true. May there be fruit, that, that I bear much fruit. May the fruit be pleasing. May people want to go up and go, you know what, I just, this is really awesome, this person. I, I don't like them, but I'm drawn to them for some reason. I've never heard this guy swear. He's, 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 he's confident, but not cocky, and he's, he's compassionate and loving, and he's always, got a, he's always listening to me, and he's always talking about the Bible, and he's talking about Jesus Christ. But we need to, that's our witness. We are the branches, that's the witness. In Psalm 1, verse 1, uh, David wrote this. And he said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And here it is. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that brings forth its fruit, notice, in its season, whose leaf shall also not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. And, and the, the leaf is the witness. That healthy leaf makes everybody see that that tree is healthy. And it's pleasing. Those leaves, that fruit, that is the bait for the fish. Because people are watching us. We live in a fishbowl. Everyone around us is watching us. And so it's important that our lives are exemplary, right? Because, and, and we're not perfect. None of us are perfect here. Every one of us today have sinned in some way. Maybe in deed, but certainly probably in thought. But thank God that we can confess and be, and be restored but notice, but fishermen are also rewarded, aren't they? When they bring in that fish, they are rewarded. And when you go out into the community, wherever it is, whether it's on your own or in this thing that we're doing for the next four weeks out into the community, um, we're rewarded as well. Paul said it the best in 1 Thessalonians in his letter to them. He says, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you? In the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming, for you are our glory and joy. So Paul, his, his great joy was knowing that he, that he was instrumental in, in bringing them to Christ. Some people you know, call this a soul winner's crown or a, a crown of rejoicing, but it's when you bring somebody to the Savior. And that's what we get to do. And there certainly are rewards for us even in the afterlife, even after the church is raptured. One of the things we're going to experience is the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ for believers. And this is not a judgment of, uh, of salvation. This is a judgment based on the things that you've done. You're already in heaven, but you're going to be rewarded for the things that you did down here. And some of those things that I've done in Christ's name are wood, hay, and stubble. And the Bible says, and you can read it yourself in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 through 15, but some of those things are like wood, hay, and stubble. They're going to get burned up because those works are not something that was led by the Lord. It was my own making. But there are other things that he's called me to do that in his grace I've been obedient to. And those are the things like the precious metals, you know, gold and silver. 
and those things that are going to endure. And I will be rewarded. You will be rewarded for things that you've done in Jesus' name, led by his spirit. And you're going to be rewarded for that. And so there is a, a reward for us. And isn't this, uh, isn't, and about the thrill of the catch too, and finally we're at this. It is a joy to see other people come to Christ. There is no greater thrill in my life than to be able to share with somebody like we're going to be sharing and to have them respond. And can I tell you, there was one lady, and I think some of us have similar stories over the last couple of years, but I remember going to a lady, I know exactly where she lives because she doesn't live far from where I live. And um, we went up to her house and wasn't sure what to expect. Again, there's a or, you know, we, we weren't sure what's going to happen, right? Like a fisherman, we didn't know what was going to happen. So we go up, we ring the doorbell. A woman comes out, she's got a baby on her hip. So we start talking to her. And one thing leads to another. And we asked her if she had a Bible. And I forget, I, don't, I think she already had a Bible. And, and, um, and you, I could tell there was something going on there. And, and so I just says, can we pray for you? And she just broke down. And she says, yes, she can pray for me. Because just about a week ago, I found out I have leukemia. And it's a, it's a bad one. And so here I am on her doorstep, and I thought to myself, what a great privilege it is to be able to pray with this woman. And she's got a, a brood full of kids, you know, a number of kids and her husband. And she's just broken And I thought to myself, you know, we got to love on this lady and we got to give her some things and maybe we'll visit her house again this year, I don't know. But you know what, that's really what it's all about. You know, to pray for somebody and to have them respond like that is, uh, she didn't receive Christ at that time. We didn't press her. You know, we didn't force anything. We're not trying to do that. Just love on people. Don't even try to, you know, just be led by the Spirit as we go out. Don't try to force anything on anybody because if we can force somebody, force somebody to do something, somebody else, the devil's going to force them out of it. But something that people respond to really well is genuine concern and genuine love. Like we responded to that lady. I hope I get to go back to that house again. And I hope she's still alive. And I hope she's doing better. And I hope the Lord healed her because we prayed for healing for her. Wouldn't that be awesome to go back and she said, you know, I don't, I don't know where you came from, but, you know, I would have loved to see that. But, you know, so it's a thrill to lead somebody to Christ. A thrill. It's the greatest joy. So as we do consider going out, or as we go out, I'm sorry, I would ask you to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you may think to yourself, well, why do I need that? Well, you, we do need that. We need the, when Peter spoke on the day of Pentecost, it was a very simple message. Probably didn't last but just a few minutes in totality. And Peter, with the Spirit of God upon him, was able to reach over 3,000 people that, after that hearing. And we need that same filling of the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God in us, indwelling us, but there's another filling that we receive. The Spirit of God comes upon us to give us boldness, to give us that love for people. And it's, it really is dynamic, and it's really wonderful. 
and, and just ask for that and let the Lord figure that out whenever he wants to do that in your life. But be open to it and, and pray for that. Say, Lord, I, I need the filling of your spirit. We're going out and I need that, Lord, because I need to have that boldness. I need to have that love for these people. I want to love these people. Every person I go to, even the, 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 the guy who is just, and, and I know where this guy lives too, we got to his door and he just yelled at us and slammed his door. He didn't even know what we, I mean, we could have been giving away ice cream, you know, it could have been, but he, he didn't want anything to do with us. But let me share something with you because Jesus never forced anyone to believe. He never forced them. He gave them opportunities. But we need to be baptized with the Spirit of God. Pray for it every day because you need to, we need that boldness. Uh, it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And being assembled with them, he commanded them, Jesus did, to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And here it is, But you shall receive power, dunamis, from the Holy Spirit, or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he's talking to his disciples who were already born again. This is before, this is after Jesus' resurrection, but before his ascension. And he told them this. They were already saved, but they needed power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so we need that. We absolutely need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there are many other places. I would encourage you to read Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 31, because it talks about that. But we're just going to keep going for now. Um, but I want to say this, that um, for those of you who will stay back here and pray while others go out, don't be ashamed of that. Because what you do here is so incredibly important. I don't want you to forget that because we often think that the people who are doing stuff are the ones who are the, the real heroes and then everybody else who's just praying are the lesser heroes. That is not the case at all. In fact, let's just forget about the hero thing altogether. Let's just do it together because whether you're here praying or whether you're out there, we are all doing the same work together. So don't ever think that you're somehow uh, doing less or, 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 or allow yourself to be condemned because those who go out and those who stay back to pray share equally in the spoils. Do you know where that came from? It came from 1 Samuel 30. And I'll, I'm going to summarize this as quickly as I can. David had just been, he was on, his, on the run from Saul. And so uh, in his uh, exile, he uh, made friends with the Philistines, the perennial enemy of Israel. Why, we have no idea, but he did. But there came a time when Achish, king of Gath, kicked David out because the other Philistine lords says, we, they don't trust him, and for good reason. Because he, he was a Jewish king who cut off the head of their champion, Goliath, right? So why he's even up there, I have no idea. But he, he gains their respect. He wins some of their battles. 
and he befriends them, but Achish says, you know what? The other Philistine lords, they don't trust you, David. You've got to leave. So what does David do? He leaves uh, from up north. He goes down south to Ziklag, where Achish had given him this town to live in. So David and his men travel three days down to Ziklag, only to find that all of their families, these 600 men, all of their families and all their stuff have been taken captive by the Amalekites. They raided the camp. They didn't kill anybody, but they took everybody, their cattle, the women, the children, everything. They took them captive, and they took them further south. So David and his 600 men, they pursue them after traveling for three days already. Now they're traveling even further, and they get to the brook Bezor, which is, if you're going from north of Israel to south... Um, down there, uh, Ziklag is like right here, for, for instance, and then the, the brook Bezor runs like this. Well, the guys, 600 of them, they got to there, and there were 200 guys that were just like, man, we can't do anymore. And so they stay there. They stay there, and the other 400 pursue the Amalekites. And so naturally, all the materials, all the things, all, they leave them with the 200 men there by the brook Bezor. Say, you guys stay here and wait for us. We're coming back, right? <laughs> and so it tells us, so David came to, so he goes and he recovers all. He goes and they sack the Amalekites and they bring everything back. All of his, his two wives were saved, all kids, all the men's wives and kids are saved. They bring everything back, the cattle, everything. And it says, now David came on his way back from this battle. He stopped to see those 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they had also made to stay at the brook Bezor. And so they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. And then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we shall not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, and here's the point, and I love this. This principle is so wonderful, and that's, this is where the scripture is. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered us into uh, our hand, the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. And they shall share alike. And so it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance in Israel to this day. So the point is, those who stay behind are going to share in the spoil of this. And so don't be ashamed to stay. In fact, we need people praying. <laughs> so some of you may want to pray. And usually what we'll do is, um, uh, well, I'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself here. So one of the things that we want to communicate when we go out, obviously, is the gospel. But you can do that in whatever way you want. Just be led. I mean, you could, you, some people write out something and they just kind of read a script or they memorize a script and there's nothing wrong with that but try to keep it as conversational and flexible as you can and be led by the spirit you know make sure you let them know who you are you know good evening my name is so and so I'm from Calvary Chapel of Rochester and we're out in the community today and we just want to talk to you about we want to invite you to come and fellowship with us and we want to give you some things do you own a bible and they'll say yes or no. Would you like one? And we'll give them to them for free. They're good Bibles too. Hardcover. <laughs> and then we give them some other information. You know, some information about the church. Uh, certainly a handout about the VBS for if they have kids or grandkids. And certainly to invite them to the picnic. Free of charge. Just come and eat. We just want to get to know you. And then ask them, hey, can we pray for you? 
Can we talk to you? Do you have any questions? Sometimes that's a really great icebreaker. You know, one of these times I'd like to ask somebody at the door, what, what is it that you hate about Christians? <laughs> Just to get the ball rolling, and I'm sure I'm going to open up Pandora's box and go, <laughs> there's a lot of things I hate about you guys. Number one, you bother me when I'm trying to eat. So, um, um, but we do, we want to we get to know them, invite them, and... Um, Give them a Bible if they don't have one and ask them if they have any questions. Be willing to pray for them. Share, the God, share whatever you can because you'll notice that every, every door you go to will be different. Just like the, you, know, you don't know what you're going to catch. So when you go to every door, um, see what you can do in the amount of time that they're going to give you because some people will linger and they'll talk to you and you'll know it at the moment. Some people will spend a little more time. Some people are like, you can tell they're perturbed, but they're just kind of like looking at their watch. And boy, it's funny to watch people get really nervous when a real Christian comes to the door. A real Christian comes to the door and people start to squirm. And I hate to see that, but it does happen. And you know they're uncomfortable, so do whatever you can to make them feel comfortable. Really, love them. Love on them and encourage them. Ask them questions. Ask them if you can pray for them. So, uh, and be creative and, and just relax and be kind and conversational because that's the way we ought to be. Just a couple of things to consider when going door to door. I just want to share with you. Uh, number one, we want to be witnesses as we do this, obviously. We want to respect people's property. So, don't walk on their lawn. If there's a walkway uh, up to their house, use the walkway. Don't walk across their grass. Um, be courteous of all those things. If you see a sign that says no solicitors, honor that. If they don't want you to be there, then don't go to their door. Just pray for them. As you go to the next door, just lift up a prayer for them. Lord, soften their hearts. You know, So oh, you know, be careful about those things. And don't harass anyone. Don't allow it to degrade into some kind of contentious debate. Remember that you represent Jesus. You don't represent Calvary Chapel. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to respond. We want to be respectful to people. We want to respect them and love on them and do right and, and take care of things. And if, you know, if there's a paper out at the corner, you know, at their, at their, at their thing, bring it up to them and give it to them. You know, just think about doing things to, to bless them. And... Um, and only take the time that they give you and use it, whatever they give you, and then be courteous. And wear modest clothing. Obviously, it's going to be a very warm. And so, you know, ladies and guys, wear things that are appropriate, you know, so we don't stumble anybody. And remember to smile. Because if you're not used to doing this sort of thing and you're a little uncomfortable, it's going to show on your face. And there's nothing wrong with that, I, I guess, you know, but try the best you can to kind of remember who you represent. And smile because you got the greatest. Listen to this. This is so incredible. You have got the best message ever. You have got the, 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 you've got the message that is the solution to all of their problems. And it really is. Jesus is the, is the solution. He may not solve your, your, your chronic uh, cancer. He, he can but he may not, but he is the, he is the source, he's the reason for everything, and he is the solution for everything. 
And you carry the greatest message on the earth, more so than any president of the United States has ever had. You alone carry the greatest message more than anybody on the planet. You have to remember that because the devil says to you, you poor, miserable Christian. Nobody, in the last four doors, everybody slammed the door in your face. One guy laughed at you. One guy let his pit bull after you. And then, uh, you know, and then you poor pathetic thing. You're stuttering, you're spittering, you're sputtering. You don't even know how to speak. And, you know, you're trying to get things across and, you know, you're, you're nervous. And you should really just hang it up. You should just go home and let the professionals do this. And the devil does that. <laughs> and if he hasn't done it to you yet, trust me, he will. I have felt that way myself as a pastor going around and finding myself for whatever reason just being really intimidated and especially when you got some guy who casts a shadow when he opens the door and you're looking at him. He's like, what do you want? <laughs> Nothing. I just, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no. No, we can boldly say, you know what? I, I got some good news for you. Oh yeah, what's that? That Jesus died for your sin. He died for my sin. He died for your sin. You know? And so be open to that. Be courteous. And smile. You have the key. You have the greatest thing that you could ever give to a human being, and that's the truth of the, of the gospel. It is the greatest thing in the world, folks. There is nothing in the world that can do to you what the Spirit of God wants to do, what, what He can do in a life. He can change you in an instant. He did it to me, and that I want to share with everybody. I want everybody to know what I know to be true because it, it, it's undeniable. And it's undeniable what he's done in you too. So don't be afraid. Rather be bold and loving and careful. Most people think when bold, when they think of boldness, they think of somebody who's just coming, you know, like a bulldog and walking up to the door and say, you receive Christ or go to hell. You know, there's none of that. You would never do that. There's an assurance, a confidence, but it's not a confidence in me. It's a confidence in whom I'm speaking of. That's the confidence that I have, right? So, and have a great time. Have a great time. And some people, like I said, and this happened to us a few years ago, and again, I say it just to prepare you, because some of you did this last year, some of you haven't, but you're going to see people, because they're seeing there's two people on each side of the road and I'll talk about the, the, the logistics of this in just a moment, but they'll see you coming, and, and they're out there, <laughs> this is funny, they're out there watering their yard, and they're out there, it's a beautiful sunny night like tonight, they're out there watering the grass, and they look down the road, and they see two people where they're holding stuff, and there's a car kind of driving behind them, and there's you know two people on this side, two people on that side, and they're watering the grass, and then all of a sudden they can overhear their next door neighbor, because you're next door, and they're talking about the gospel, he's like, he shuts off his hose really quick, and he runs inside of his house, and I've seen this. And then they shut the blinds and then they, they turn the thing around, you know, do not disturb or something. You can expect something like that. And you're also going to expect uh, you come upon a house where the people in there know Christ. And that's a great thing too. And you start talking to them like, you know what, we already know. And thank you for coming out and doing what you're doing. And, and, and it's really wonderful to hear people like that. You know, and... Um, but, you know... John said this in his first epistle, and we're getting close to the end here, and thank you for your patience. Um, John says, You are of God, little children, and, and, and have overcome them, because he who is in you 
is greater than he that is in the world. The Bible calls Satan the prince of this world. And yet he who is in you, the Spirit of God, is greater than he that is in the world. We can never forget that. We can never forget that, and we can never forget the greatness of the message that we have, how important it is, regardless of what people make you feel like, regardless of what the devil makes you feel like, regardless of what your own flesh might make you feel like, we have to go in that confidence. And it changes everything. And don't take it personally. If you take it personally, you're going to be destroyed on your first door. Right? If you take it personally, Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you as well. Now, nobody, we've never had any real problems in a, in a few years that we've done this. We haven't had, I mean, we've had some gruff people, but nobody has ever threatened anybody. Nobody's hurt anybody. Nobody's sick their dog out on anybody. They're either willing to engage or they are not. And it's a hard world, but guess what? We got something that's really interesting is that there are a lot of people hurting right now. It was evident last year when we went out, when COVID was still kind of coming, we're coming kind of out of this, we're kind of in this really funny place. And, and, um, but people see, and I, I'm just going to address the elephant in the room. May I do that tonight? I'm going to do it anyway, but... I'm going to address the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is what is happening in our world. And people are hurting. They never thought things would get like they are now. And I'm not going to go into any details. But there's a lot of hurting people. A lot of, and the, the media has lied to us. Our current administration has been lying to us. The CDC has been lying to us, covering things up. The medical establishment has been lying to us and covering things up. And do you think that has an impact on people? You better believe it. It messes with their head. It messes with their head. And there's a lot of emotional and spiritual problems out there. that People are, are frightened. They're really worried about the state of our country and what's happening. And they ought to. They ought to be concerned because it's very real what is happening. But then again, we have the greatest message. And that's what we got to do. We got to tell them the truth. We don't have to talk to them about politics. I love talking about politics. But I do it, I got to be careful. But the thing I love to talk more about than anything is Jesus. And I love to talk about his word. And that's the thing, folks, that we have to really consider and make sure that that becomes the priority and always is the priority. Amen? So practically, how are we going to do this? Let me just give you an example. So we're going to show up here next week uh, at 6 o'clock, and we'll probably have a, uh, a time, uh, just, a, just an opening prayer, just a very quick thing, and I'll probably open it up. We'll just pray for the group and and for those who are um, going to stay and pray, they'll, they'll either be in the fellowship hall or they can pray in here. And then, um, and then we'll go out, we'll grab our materials, and we'll go out. And how we're going to do that is this. Um, we need teams of three or five. And why three or five? Well, 
what we like to do is pair up uh, two people on each side of a road, whatever street you pick. And we have some maps that we've used in the past. And we're, we're, I'll be honest with you, right now we're uh, trying to figure out how exactly we're going to do it this year. But suffice it to say, whatever road you go on, there's, two, there's houses on each side of the road, correct? So what we do is we have two people on one side of the road, two people on the other side of the road, and then somebody driving a car. So there has to be a driver. And somebody who's just going to have their trunk with some of these materials that we have, and they're just going to kind of slowly go up the, 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 the road, or the, the, the roadway after us as we go. And they'll have stuff. They'll have water, in case you need water, because it is hot outside. And so we need a driver, and then we need two teams of two people. Or maybe there's only uh, one team. You know, if you have just three people, one driver and then two people, it doesn't matter. But go out two by two. And the reason for that is very obvious. Um, you're able to help each other because, and I would encourage you, if you're uh, somebody who's very comfortable doing this, take somebody who shows up next weekend, uh, next Sunday night, who's not as comfortable because they're going to learn from you. And maybe the first several houses the person who is seasoned is going to do all, you know, do all the talking and, and that the person will be like, hey, let me try this next house. I remember one time I went out with my daughter and we did that and it was really fun because you know, she kind of got to see how, how we can do this. And so I said, hey, do you want to try the next door? She goes, sure. You know, and it was great. My daughter, this young girl, you know, she's talking and I'm just sitting there grinning from ear to ear and I, I could care less about how things were working out and she was trying to work it out and it was so you got to start somewhere and it was wonderful to see but go with somebody who maybe is not as comfortable that way they can um they can learn they can grow and um we go out for about and then we we do that and we'll hand you a map uh we should be able to give you a map unless we decide to do something different but um so we'll go out from like uh, 6.15 until maybe 7.30. We'll try to be back here at the church at 7.20, 7.30, somewhere in that time frame. And what we like to do is come back at that time and we all get together and we talk about what happened. And it doesn't take very long. We call it like a debrief. And, and that way people can say, you know what, I went to this one house and I, I asked the guy if he knew Christ and he started crying and I led him to Christ. And, you know, you just, you never know. And people have stories like that. And it's wonderful to hear. Or there may be other stories and we learn from things. Well, how'd you get out of that situation when he came after you with the shotgun? Well, I ran behind the bush. And then he didn't have a rounds in his shotgun, so he couldn't, you know, I'm only kidding. None of that's happened. Um, but, and then we come back and we, we just talk about it, and then we pray, and then we leave. So it's really that simple. So begin thinking now uh, if you want to be a driver. Uh, and there may be people who will come next week that aren't here tonight because they kind of know the drill. And we'll just see what the Lord does. You know, maybe you're a driver. Maybe you want to go out. But we'll have all the materials for you uh, to give out. And just give out whatever somebody will take. These Bibles that we're handing out, by the way, and we'll finish here in just a few seconds here, um, they're, they're, they're good Bibles, okay? They're, they're not the, you know, soft cover, tiny print things. These are red letter, hard cover things. And, and don't give the Bible to somebody if they don't want it. You know, don't just hand them stuff. Uh, ask them if they w would like it. Because many people own a Bible, it's just not being used. 
But if they don't own a Bible, I am delighted to be the first one to give it to them. Right? And so you get, approach it like that. And that way, we'll, people who really want Bibles will get them. And people who don't need them, they don't need them. It's really quite simple. And that way, we'll save uh, those resources for somebody who does want them. So is there any questions uh, before we uh, pray and end tonight? Anybody have any question? Yes, Gigi. What's that? You know, I, I would rather that it was just something you did. You know, and I would encourage women to pair up with women and men to pair up with men. That's probably the, 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 the best way to do it. But, you know, just ask another woman if you can go along. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having three people, you know, going along. If, you, um, if you're going with a husband and wife group or a male and another female, you can go along with them, you know, and you guys can alternate. It doesn't really matter. But um, I'd rather that people just did that by themselves instead of us assigning things. It makes it a lot easier. You know, so when we get here next week, just ask somebody, do you have anybody? Are you going out with anyone? And say, no, well, you want to come with us? Well, sure. See how simple that is? And it's really that simple. Did that answer the question? No, no, that's okay. None of us are really pros at this. You know, I, yes, David, yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would. Right, right. Um, well, be led by the Spirit. Well, it happened one time, not not quite that way, but we showed up at a house, and uh, the young guy was high on something, and he was there with his girlfriend in the parking lot, and we were approaching the car, and he was. Uh, very agitated, and so we started. So I, I forget who it was who was with me, um, but I think we engaged the guy, and he's just like, "Yeah, man, what's up? Yeah, I know Jesus, man. You know." And he's talking like this, and he's really loud, and he's completely in stardust. He's like in, the, in a different planet. And you can see it in his eyes. It's like Lucy in the sky with diamonds. I mean, and the guy is just gone. And so we engaged him a little bit, and he, um, he kind of settled down a little bit. And, you know, who knows? Who knows? But, you know, David, I think the best thing to do is if you're uncomfortable, and this is where it really should end, uh, to answer a question like that. If you are not comfortable, if you walk up to a house and there's a bunch of, you know, um, guys on motorcycles with Hell's Angels colors on, and they're drinking a lot of beer, you might just want to go right in the middle of them and say, listen up. <laughs> I'm only kidding. You just got to be led. You know, you may, you may decide, you know, this is uh, something I should bypass or, or, or maybe the Lord will encourage you just to take a step of faith and just, you know, if you're, you know, it's like we're, we're innocent lambs, you know, it's not like we're walking up with, you know, we're, we got a Bible in our hand and we want to talk to them. The worst thing they could do is say, listen, you, you don't belong here. And say, okay. So, you just kind of do it as you see fit. And just don't violate your conscience. I believe that God gives us a conscience. He gives us a, a discernment. And um, use it. And don't be ashamed of it. And, and don't worry about it. Just be led. And don't, don't try to be the tough guy that says, well, 
I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do this and I'm going to say that, you know, maybe the best thing to do is just to pass it by. Any other questions? All right. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, thank you, Lord, for your kindness and your goodness to us. Lord, uh, somebody shared with me and brought me to Christ. And Lord, probably every one of us have had somebody in our life that came and shared the truth with us. And, and here we are tonight, Lord. We want to continue, Lord, to do that. We want to continue to be those people that you can use, Lord, to be ambassadors. And not just these next four weeks on Sunday evenings, Lord, but really everywhere we go, anywhere we, everywhere we go, whatever we do, Lord, help us to be open. Help us to be open, Lord, to just be willing to speak, even if it's a simple thing, Lord. Um, stir my heart again, Father. And I pray you do the same thing with my brothers and sisters too, Lord. We are, we are weak, but you are strong. And we're so thankful for you, Jesus. Where would we be without you? Uh, we would be a mess. And we're just so thankful that you love us and that you'd use us, Lord for your glory. And Lord, we thank you and just pray for in advance for next weekend, Lord, that you would guide and direct us, that you'd prepare the hearts of the people that we're going to visit, Lord, even right now, Lord. Make them uncomfortable such that they would want to talk. They would want to get a prayer request. They would want to receive your word, even receive you as their savior. Lord, you prime the pump, Lord, ahead of us and that we would go and just be obedient to you, Lord. It's really that simple. So we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.